show is here. Yo, our mission is clear. It's time to change healthcare. Have no fear. Today is the day. This is the hour. Together, you know we've got the power. Drop the silos. We're all the same team. Experience, business, tech, and marketing. How can anyone be satisfied with the way things have always been? Yeah, we tried. So join us now. Join the revolution. Consumer first health is the evolution. Status quo, more like status. No. Yeah, this is the healthcare rep. Y'all, come on, let's go. New choices, new platforms, new care models. In the healthcare of tomorrow, consumers win. But who will design it? What will it look like? And how long will it take? We're here to answer those questions with some provocative thinking about how to create the healthcare that people actually want. Ready to roll up your sleeves, look at the world a little differently, and explore the frontiers of consumer health together? Join us. This is the Healthcare Wrap. Hey, it's Jared Johnson from Shift Forward Health, and here's what's going to go down today. We have the flavor of the week about Walmart Health's first partnership with the health system. Will the status quo prevail, or can other health systems see the value of taking the leap and exploring retail partnerships so consumers can be seen in the ways that they want and need? I'll talk about that. Then Jared Anzac joins us to discuss how digital tools are impacting rural health. As Sanford Health's chief digital officer, Jared explores ways to use digital to address rural health challenges and improve the consumer experience. It's time to dive right in. Are you ready? Let's go. Flavor of the week. Walmart's latest healthcare move is a no-brainer. The retail giant announced their first health system partnership with Orlando Health, as well as a care coordination agreement with Ambetter from Sunshine Health, which provides insurance to individuals through the Florida health insurance marketplace. Walmart's healthcare ambitions have always been squarely in the primary care space. Parenthetically, for a deeper dive on their strategy, you can listen to our interview with Dr. Chinny Puluru, Chief Clinical Executive and VP of Clinical Operations for Walmart Health Omnichannel Care. That's episode number 272, and it's linked in the show notes. According to this latest announcement, the new partnership is designed to make it easier for Orlando area residents and their providers to coordinate a patient's healthcare journey through effective transitions of care and ensure robust communication. I like John Marzano's take on who benefits from this arrangement, and he should have a pretty good point of view as Orlando Health's former chief marketing and communications officer. Here's what John said, and I quote, Walmart's decision to get into healthcare was a no-brainer. Central Florida has a large population of seasonal consumers, thousands of whom work in hospitality and tourism thanks to Disney and Universal theme parks, hotels, etc. Access, capacity, and underserved needs in routine care opened the door for Walmart Health to disrupt, and this market was eyeballed as a target-rich environment. This partnership is a win-win for both businesses as well as healthcare consumers. Walmart Health gets backup from a growing world-class health network. Orlando Health gets to protect its referrals to specialty care. Consumers get more accessible, convenient, and affordable options through eight super centers along with countless ancillary support locations throughout Central Florida. It's an easy prediction that this will become the model for other Walmart Health Partnerships, unquote. Is there a need for retailers in healthcare? If you know anything about me, you'll know I believe that there is. Is there room for them to provide more convenient, high-quality care that fills gaps in the access and availability of traditional primary care options? Yes, it appears that there's plenty of room. Can health systems partner with Walmart to be the specialty care providers of choice in their geographies? As we've been preaching for years now, yes, it sure seems like there is. Will it take a paradigm shift from health systems, all things to all people growth strategy of the last century to play a bigger part in providing care that meets consumers' needs for quicker access? Absolutely. 
and the sooner the better. Consumers everywhere deserve better than having to wait a month to be seen and wade through nightmarish insurance information to know how much they'll have to pay. When you put consumers' expectations front and center, it's possible to overcome the status quo. Let's take the leap, get over ourselves, and explore partnerships with retailers so consumers can be seen in the ways that they want and need more frequently. That's another way that we'll build to the healthcare of tomorrow. And that's the Flava of the Week. Hey everyone, let's get back into the flow. I'm so excited for our guest this week. Please give it up for Jared Anzac. He's the Chief Digital Officer at Sanford Health. Jared, welcome to the Healthcare Wrap. Hey, thanks for having me, Jared. It's an honor to be here. Uh, this is going to be fun. Uh, we're we're going to tag team. We'll, we'll hope our listeners can keep up with who is speaking at what particular times here. It's, it's great to speak with another Jared. But let's help our listeners get to know you a little bit better. There's a lot that's going on with you and with Sanford Health, but what did I miss in your bio? What would you like our listeners to know about you? Professionally, I'm, I'm blessed and privileged to do something that I find really exciting and meaningful and impactful and you know the opportunity to to really transform healthcare which is just ripe for for transformation and create a better experience for our caregivers and our consumers is really what gets me out of bed every morning but you know something I'll share personally my wife Charlene and I have six kids so you know our household keeps us very busy we have two sets of twins so we joke that we had a couple of bogo deals in there but you know kind of a funny story on that while my wife was about 34 weeks pregnant with our last set of twins, we were celebrating our older twin's seventh birthday party by having a little party with some friends over. And later that night, my wife wakes me up and says, it's time to go to the hospital. And after delivering our last set of twins, we realized that we almost had four kids with the exact same birthday but missed it by about two and a half hours. So we have a very busy December. I can't believe it came that close, like down to a couple, couple of hours. A couple of hours, yeah. Wow. Tell you what, let's get into this a little bit. I'm wondering if there's one of those pieces of career advice you've received along the way that has just stuck with you and if it influenced you at all along the way. Yeah, that, that's a really great question. You know, I think there are so many different nuggets that I've I've kind of clinged on to throughout my career. But one in particular that I think has been pretty, pretty transformative in at least my own career is just simply the advice to start with a problem. And I don't think I really understood or appreciated how profound that that little nugget was or realized how surprisingly hard it is for people to actually do, right? Human beings are naturally wired to be solutions oriented, to be problem solvers, not necessarily problem definers. We as leaders tell our employees, don't come to me with a problem, come to me with a solution, right? We hire and train people to be problem solvers. So they're really conditioned and incentivized to formulate solutions. The, the problem, though, that I found with starting with a solution is that we go out and chase a bunch of bells and whistles and then bring it back and say, okay, now what problem does this solve, right? And we're, we're particularly prone to this in healthcare, right? And I think the best way to control IT costs and to really establish a good product market fit and to really ensure usability and engagement and to secure a return on investment is to start with a problem, right? And avoid that shiny object syndrome. I think it's pretty profound to note that there, I think there was one report that I saw that there are over 11,000 different digital health companies in the marketplace, right? So we're bombarded daily with solutions, opportunities to build buyer partner, to bring new products and capabilities to our consumers and our workforce. But you know, how do we ensure that we're picking the right solutions that are going to generate the, the most value? Start with the right problems. So I think that's been something that's been really, really key for my career, something that I've tried to continue to promote with with those that I interact with. I keep being impressed by the diversity of answers to this question. 
And maybe that's a perfect way for us to to transition over to helping us learn a little bit more about where you are right now. I'd love to learn a little bit more about Sanford Health and the markets you serve. Can you share us a little bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely. So Sanford Health is based out of Sioux Falls, South Dakota, which is where I'm, I'm currently located. It happens to be the largest rural health system in the United States. So we have a geographic footprint that extends approximately 250,000 square miles across parts of South Dakota, North Dakota, Minnesota, and Iowa. So just for sort of comparative reference, that's about the size of Texas, 250,000 square miles across the upper rural Midwest. So, you know, within our, our footprint, about two thirds of the patients that we serve live in rural communities. Some interesting statistics, five out of the top 25 poorest counties in the United States are located in our footprint. And the majority of the counties in our footprint are federally designated provider shortage areas. So it definitely presents some really unique challenges and opportunities. As far as our organization as a whole, though, you know, we have a health services division with, with four major markets, primarily located in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, Fargo, and Bismarck, North Dakota, and Bemidji, Minnesota, where we serve over one and a half million patients in our 47 medical centers. We also have a health plan with almost a quarter million members. And then we have a Good Samaritan Society with hundreds of senior care and long-term care locations across the country that just celebrated its 100th anniversary. We also have a world clinic with eight countries around the globe where we're partnering with different countries and understanding how healthcare operations works there, influencing how care is delivered in other environments and atmospheres, and also learning from how care delivery works around the globe and bringing those learnings back to you know the upper rural Midwest. So really incredible organization with a, a quite a diverse range of opportunities to serve the communities that we have the privilege of serving. Thank you. And I imagine with the the footprint that exists, that you can't just go and copy what someone else is doing. There's a lot that would prevent you from doing that. And not like that would be always the best strategy anyway. But I would guess there's a lot of additional work and research and strategy that has to happen for you to get to where you want to go. What about your responsibilities? Uh, we mentioned you're a chief digital officer there. Can you tell us about your key responsibilities and some of the key initiatives or projects that you're involved in? Yeah, absolutely. And, and going back to your last comment, you know, I think the saying goes, if you've seen one health system, you've seen one health system, right? Every, every right. health system right. is a little bit unique and has a different position in the marketplace, has different local community dynamics, that you have to take into account. And so we certainly have a unique opportunity at Sanford as well. So a little more about my role. So I, I've been the chief digital officer here for just about two years, just, just under two years. I joined the organization. At the time, it was a new role for the organization. So really, as the inaugural chief digital officer, part of my responsibility is driving the vision and the enterprise strategy for digital transformation efforts, both for our consumers as well as for our workforce. And I also have the opportunity to lead our data and analytics team, which includes our data science team responsible for predictive analytics and AI development. You know, some of the, I think, key areas that we're, we're really focused on at Stanford now, and I appreciate that question, I would sort of summarize it as not doing digital for the sake of digital, really picking the right spots where we can leverage the right tool for the right job. So a big part of that is ensuring that we're viewing digital not as just another lane in the highway, not as just another vertical within the organization. When I, when I first came to Sanford, I remember a lot of people asked me, what is, what is our digital strategy as the organization? And I pushed back on that question a little bit. And I said, we shouldn't have a digital strategy that's independent from the rest of the organization. The digital strategy 
should be to support the organization's strategy in terms of leveraging digital to meet the various needs of the different functions, the different pillars. I view it as a horizontal that really cuts across all of those other pillars and, and levels up and enables our strategy across the board. And so and that's really how we've led with digital at Sanford Health. So a couple of key areas that we're really focused on. Workforce, you know, I think it goes without saying this is something that a lot of healthcare organizations are dealing with right now. But really, how do we unlock the efficiencies and productivity of our workforce and, and really leverage digital and data and analytics to allow our workforce to do more with less, while at the same time providing a great consumer experience for our patients? And so, you know, a couple of key areas that we're looking at are, you know, where do we find those win-win opportunities where we can meet our patients' expectations and preferences while at the same time alleviating a workforce burden, right? So we have patients that, for instance, would prefer to schedule their own appointments online from the comfort and convenience of their own home after hours when our clinics are closed and when nobody is there to answer the phone. How do we enable them to do that, right? How do they enable them to self-serve and, you know, potentially then have one less phone call to answer on our staff. So I think there's dozens, if not hundreds of opportunities like that, where we create value to the business, but also create a really great and transformative patient experience that that really serves both the organization as well as our patients well. Yeah, you, my little alarm almost went off because you used a couple of keywords. You mentioned consumer experience as part of that. And I, I appreciate the approach of not just doing these things just to say you're doing them, but to truly start with the problem, as you were mentioning earlier. What are some of those key challenges that are facing rural health systems today? And are they different than other areas or other markets that, that are less rural focused? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think when it comes to you know challenges in, in rural America and healthcare delivery, you know, I really view them through three sort of different lenses, right? There's there's challenges for our patients, challenges for our providers, and challenges with just technologies in general. So when I think of patients, right, there are geographic and socioeconomic factors that we have to think about. Rural Americans have higher rates of poverty and food insecurity and chronic disease than many of their urban American counterparts, right? And so that leads to often poor health outcomes. I think one of the most astonishing statistics is that the the biggest factor that determines health outcomes isn't smoking, it isn't exercise and diet. It isn't all of those things that you would think about when you think of, you know, what's going to create a good health outcome. It's zip code, right? 60% of health outcomes in this country are determined by a person's zip code. That is absolutely astonishing to me, right? But if you think about what that entails, where a person lives determines a lot of different factors like whether or not they have access to healthcare, whether or not they have access to food security and reliable transportation. And so rural Americans are often, you know, more severely disadvantaged than others when it comes to meeting some of those necessities of life, those social determinants of health that help to contribute to positive health outcomes. If you think about some of the the people that we serve in the upper rural Midwest, we have some patients that travel sometimes three to four hours just to get to the nearest doctor's office, right? So if you think about that and you think about that barrier to entry of people being able to access care, the sacrifice of time and the commitment that it takes to you know, take time off of work or take time out of the harvest for our farmers and to travel all of those miles just to visit with their doctor. In many instances, it leads to patients either delaying care that's needed or, or not receiving it until there's a crisis. And so that obviously results in poor outcomes as well. When I, when I think of the physicians, right, and I kind of mentioned this earlier, most of the counties that 
or within our footprint are federally designated provider shortage areas. And so nearly 20% of Americans live in rural areas, but only 12% of physicians practice in rural communities. So there's, there's definitely a gap there. And so, you know, how do we enable our physicians to do more with less? And how do we enable our physicians to reach patients in some of these very largely distributed geographic areas. And then the last thing that I'll say is just around technology, right? The digital divide. And I think that's really magnified in many of our rural communities. So if we think about digital equity being a social determinant of health, right? Digital equity looks at things like, do people have access to the internet, right? Either through broadband or through cellular access. Do they have devices available? Do they have smartphones and tablets and computers with cameras, Are they digitally literate? Do they feel comfortable and confident downloading, navigating, and registering through a digital experience? And so all of those things are factors that, you know, we have to think about in terms of the unique challenges that living in rural America creates for for healthcare delivery. How do you determine which of those problems could potentially be addressed with digital solutions? And I'm just curious what that process looks like. Yeah, so obviously there are things that we can do on our own to some extent. And then there are things that we need to partner with others to do. We can't do it all ourselves. And so we're actively exploring different partnerships with our local communities and with different service providers within our local communities to help potentially reach the patients in our communities and provide world-class healthcare, uh, urban healthcare, if you will, in rural America. And so one of those, I think, key areas is is virtual virtual care technologies, right? And just the ability to meet patients where they're at in their own homes and negate the need potentially for them to have to travel three to four hours to visit with the nearest doctor, but potentially allow them to, to meet with their doctor when appropriate from the comfort and convenience of their own home. So, you know, we've been doing virtual visits for, for a while now, over a decade. We provided at Sanford Health more than 700,000 different virtual care visits with patients, which we have calculated amounts to more than 25 million miles saved for our patients to, just to be able to receive health care. Um, so that's pretty, pretty profound. So a couple of other areas where, you know, we're really leaning into virtual care, behavioral health. Today, about one out of five behavioral health visits at Sanford Health is done virtually. And so that's that's a really profound opportunity for, again, patients to be able to receive care that they otherwise wouldn't be able to access. And then, you know, other things that I would say, like, you know, and this coming from a chief digital officer, right? Some, sometimes the best digital experiences are the ones that are the most simple or the ones that are, have the least technology requirements. And so we recently launched a text-based remote patient monitoring solution that enables us to communicate with our patients and for them to respond back to patient-reported outcomes through a text message. No need to own a smartphone, no need to download an app, no need to remember a login, no need to learn how to navigate through a digital solution. So really just minimizing those barriers to entry by making it easy for people to engage are some of the things that, that really, I think, have been powerful. Well, a lot of those do impact a consumer directly, especially on the virtual care side, because they do, in theory, make things more convenient. And that's one of the key factors of a consumer experience, right, is the convenience, the access, the cost, just the the simplicity or the lack of simplicity and what happens to even get to the point where you become a patient, where you are being actively seen by a, a, a provider in any way. So I'm curious mm. how you designate that or if you don't designate that in terms of when there's a digital solution that's addressing a consumer need, you know, something that can impact the consumer experience or something that is 
more focused elsewhere. I'm I'm aware of a lot of solutions that the claim at least is that their role is to improve the consumer experience by making things easier for the clinicians. And a lot of times that is the path to making things easier for the consumer or, you know, or improving something in the revenue cycle management, right? Something that the consumer might not even be aware of, but that's the way that it's able to improve the experience for them. How do you address the consumer side, I guess, of of some of these digital solutions that you're working with? Well, I really appreciate your comments because I think it's it's critical to address both, right? And sometimes there's this notion that if we do something that's good for the consumer, it has to come at the expense of the provider. Or if we do something for the provider, then the consumer experience becomes more clunky or more full of friction. And I believe that that's a, that's a logical fallacy. I don't think that that's true. I think there are plenty of win-win opportunities where we can simultaneously improve both the consumer and the caregiver or the provider experience simultaneously, right? And, you know, we've identified several of those at Sanford Health and, you know, really leaning into those opportunities to create those win-win solutions. Stepping back just a minute, though, I, I really appreciate your, I think, definition around patient versus consumer. Sometimes it's provocative a little bit to to call our patients consumers in healthcare. And I know, you know, a lot of my provider colleagues resist that, that sort of terminology because they think of the people that they serve as, as patients, not necessarily as consumers. And patient sort of designates a special relationship that a provider has with the person that they're serving. But there is a reason why I prefer to use the word consumer over patient. And I think one is that we really need to, to shift our focus in healthcare from sick care really to healthcare, right? And right now we provide a lot of sick care. We wait until people are ill or they need treatment and then they come to us as a patient because they're sick and they need to be healed. If we really want to become a healthcare provider, right, we need to think more proactively rather than reactively. We need to get further upstream and downstream from that traditional encounter when a patient comes to see us and really need to try to prevent illness and promote health and well-being. And focusing on consumers rather than patients allows us to consider what people need upstream and downstream from that traditional visit or encounter and to become more relevant and valuable to people's lives. So I really appreciate using the word consumer because it does force us, it's a forcing function a little bit to think beyond just the traditional encounter. I think that's important to be there to meet our patients when they're ill, but there's so much untapped opportunity to also prevent illness from happening in the first place if we engage in the right ways. I've heard it plenty as well from clinicians about how they feel the word consumer takes away some of the dignity of the provider-patient relationship. And I'll usually have to go back and explain, yeah, that, that's not the intent at all. The intent is to actually acknowledge the parts of somebody's life that are happening when they're not an active patient. And for some people, that's most of the year. For some people, they're still being seen on a very regular basis. So the amount of time isn't necessarily the, the factor there. We haven't made it easy to get the care that you need. And so with that as the basis, the fact that the business systems underneath sick care were not designed with consumers' needs or choices or expectations in mind. And it didn't matter, honestly, I feel like till recent years, you just had to accept the fact that this is how it was going to be to schedule an appointment or to see my provider or to access my data. And now, now we just, we don't want that anymore. We want something better. So, you know, that's, it's an attempt to, I guess, shift the conversation more than 
get somebody all <laughs> psyched out or, or wishing that we were expressing it in a different way. But I agree, it still comes across as a little provocative sometimes. Yeah. It's important to recognize that our consumers, the people who consume healthcare, our patients, are the same people who use other digital experiences like Netflix for entertainment or Amazon for shopping or Delta for traveling, right? And they have the same expectations for an easy, intuitive, seamless, digital consumer-oriented experience for healthcare, right? And being able to meet those consumers where they're at and to be able to meet their preferences and expectations is where we need to to arrive, right? And I, I think of all of those different digital experiences that I have in my life, right? And I think of, you know, with my young kids, one of their favorite places to eat is Chick-fil-A. And it's one of my favorite places because of how easy their digital experience is, right? We typically get the same food each time. And the app remembers my order history and lets me create the same order within one tap. It knows which card I prefer to pay with. It knows the color of my car when I arrive. They randomly send me prompts and nudges and rewards and free food throughout the week so that I, you know, they stay top of mind the next time we decide to eat out. And I compare that to your typical healthcare experience, right? And usually the only time we hear from our health system proactively is when it's time to pay our bill. And so, you know, I'm slightly embarrassed to say, right, I think Chick-fil-A probably knows me better than my doctor sometimes. But that's the opportunity that exists for us in healthcare to really transform that experience and make it meet our consumers' needs and expectations. Agreed. And it's it's great to hear that this conversation is happening more often because it does fuel a lot of digital solutions, kind of bringing it back to this side. The fact that there are digital initiatives and solutions that are being researched and reviewed and evaluated. You know, what I'm curious about here is, is if there's anything you can share about where you might be focusing for the next six to 12 months, short-term horizon. Do you see any big changes? We hear so much about some of those shiny objects that you mentioned early on. Is that changing where your focus is for the next few months? And if so, how what's that going to look like? Yeah, so again, I'll go back to to some of the problems right that we're identifying and defining for for our organization a, a couple of those you know that really stand out physician burnout right provider burnout has been something that we've been dealing with for a long time but just the cognitive burden that our providers have to endure with all of the information and all of the data that they have at their fingertips now it's just information overload right so Again, now now digging into the solution side a little bit, we're really excited about the you know the potential for data and automation and artificial intelligence as tools that could be leveraged to better serve our providers by bubbling up the most important insights and information for them to act on to make sense of that sea of data that they're overloaded with. I saw a statistic that said that the amount of medical knowledge is estimated to double about every 73 days. Right. So you just you think about how much time doctors spend in medical school learning their art, learning their craft. And to know that the amount of medical knowledge that is now available doubles every 73 days. It's absolutely unsustainable in terms of, you know, being able to stay on top of everything. So our knowledge is expanding faster than our ability to assimilate and apply it effectively. So I think there's opportunities for, you know, some of these tools to potentially help serve in that care delivery mechanism, but, you know, not necessarily replacing our providers, but really augmenting. You think of it kind of like an additional stethoscope that our doctors have available that they can use to inform their decisions 
that they've been medically trained to to make in caring for their patients, right? So there's obviously been a lot of hype over the last year about large language models and generative AI. It wasn't even in our vernacular a year ago. I think OpenAI released ChatGPT in November of last year. And so we're all just still trying to understand where could these potential technologies be used. And, and again, I think it's important to go back to identifying what problem are you trying to solve first and then using the right tool for the right job. I love it. Makes a lot of sense. It really does. Last question for you. I'm just looking for a slightly longer horizon here. I love dreaming about the destination here. I love just asking, you know, if things go right, where can that get us? And so I love to hear what, what types of progress you hope that we're celebrating in healthcare three years from now. Maybe it is on the digital side, maybe it's somewhere else. What do you hope we can look back at and say, hey, look, somebody made a difference here? That's a really great question. You know, I think healthcare is typically pretty slow to move and slow to transform and slow to change compared to a lot of other industries. But I think that there is so much opportunity in front of us now, and there's so many new technologies that we have at our disposal to take advantage of. I can't imagine us not being able to really transform the way that we deliver care in in meaningful ways and make a lot of progress in the next three years. So the one thing that I hesitate to do though, you know, because I get asked this a lot, like what is your three-year roadmap? What is your five-year roadmap? And, you know, my response to that often is the digital landscape is constantly evolving. New technologies emerge, consumer preferences and expectations change, caregiver workflows evolve. There's macroeconomic conditions that exert pressure in different places. And so, you know, I try to resist the temptation to propose what a three-year roadmap looks like and instead really try to promote the need to be agile and to embrace a culture that allows us to be nimble and responsive and iterate quickly on the things that bring value into people's lives, both our consumers as well as our caregivers. You know, but that said, when I think about the greatest opportunities that I think exist to really transform healthcare. I think there's sources of inspiration all around us that can help us envision what a digital consumer experience in healthcare could look like, right? So I I imagine a health experience that makes finding care as easy as making a purchase on Amazon or preparing for your visit as simple and and as intuitive as booking a ride with Uber or managing my care as personalized as my Netflix profile that prompts me with recommendations based on my interests and viewing history. So how do we create that personalized experience that is intuitive and seamless and easy and engaging and allows patients to feel empowered and enabled to take control of their health care in partnership with their providers. I think we're right on the cusp of that and I'm really excited about what the future holds. I love hearing the vision and I like that you focused on processes to get us there instead of one thing that could change and then shift the whole strategy as a result of that. You've given us so much to think about today. I just want to thank you for your time. What's the best way for listeners to connect with you? There are those who will listen and and I'm sure they'll want to connect with you in one way. Is, Is it LinkedIn, is there another place you'd like to send people to learn more about what you're doing? Absolutely. Find me on LinkedIn. I'd probably spend more time there than I should, but that's the best way to connect. Outstanding. Well, I want to thank you again. And that's a wrap for this episode. I've had the absolute pleasure of speaking with Jared Anzac from Sanford Health. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks, Jared. I appreciate it. 
Thanks for tuning in. If you like what you heard, please spread the word. Tell your colleagues to tune in for all the awesomeness, then leave a review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen. This show is produced by Shift Forward Health, the channel for changemakers. Subscribe to Shift Forward Health on your favorite podcast app, and you'll be subscribed to our entire library of shows. See our full lineup at shiftforwardhealth.com. One subscription, all the podcasts you need, and it's all for free. And remember, we might have a lot of work to do in healthcare, but we'll get there faster together. Thanks again.